Let's turn to God's word. Um, Let me pray for us um, as we get going. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the joy of the gospel, knowing that you uh, have taken care of everything. And even if we don't know what tomorrow may bring, uh, we know that you're in charge. You're good and kind. You you, uh, have a plan, and that uh, the end of the plan is to bring us home to be with you forever. God, uh, thank you. Thank you for loving and caring for us, said to your son. God, we ask in this time that you would grant us courage and strength and hope, that we would abandon our dumb ideas, our anxious thoughts, uh, and that we would cherish your word and cling to it uh, because it's from you and it represents who you are and describes to us your kindness. Uh, God, help us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. First warning I have for you this morning, uh, it comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, is that we would cherish, that I personally would cherish my eternal riches over my earthly comforts. Cherish my eternal riches over my earthly comforts. I don't even have a clue what I'm saying when I say that, but this, uh, this kid right here, I grew up in Santa Barbara. I mean, it wasn't Montecito or anything like that, but uh, uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara and my dad had a stable job and we had a beautiful place and I enjoyed life. And, uh, you know, I didn't have a care in the world other than the dumb things that most kids care about. And so I've lived in comfort. And then as I went through school and I, I got to go to school and I got to go to college and even got to go to seminary, and then I got to be the youth pastor in this really tough situation of Bear Valley, right? And I live in this beautiful town of Tehachapi, you know, the crown jewel of Kern County, right? Um, and, and so the idea of comforts, I don't even know what comforts are. I just know that this is my life, right? And, and much of what we concern ourselves with is, uh, oh no, what's gonna happen if this, I don't get to do this or I don't get to do that. And yet I look to the scriptures and 2 Corinthians uh, chapter four, verses it, 2 Corinthians is a great book that talks about this, this idea of being victorious and the riches that we have in Christ. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says this, so we do not lose heart. He's talking to you. We do not lose heart. And, and when somebody says, you know, don't be down in the dumps or don't lose heart, uh, you should immediately say, why? I think it's a good idea right now. The things that I see, it seems like the logical conclusion that I would lose heart. Paul's going to tell us under the inspiration of God's going to got an answer for us. He says, so we do not lose heart, though our, out, uh, our outer self is wasting away. You can say amen. Uh, our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. And then he says this, verse 17, for this light, momentary affliction, light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I, I, it's important for us to always think about this. 
that we, that when we look at the comforts of this life, the things that we have, um, it, it's all going to turn to junk, some of it sooner than others. Some of the stuff we treasure right now is junk. We just don't know it yet. But your kids know it, right? And after you're gone, they're going to go, why did mom and dad keep all this stuff? It's trash. And they're going to take it to the Bear Valley dump if, they'll let, if it's some of those things that we can put in there. If not, they're going to hire Logan or Dan to take it away, right? Uh, There's a commercial for Logan and Dan. Uh, so uh, I want to tell you that uh, Paul, uh, in the midst of difficult times for himself, and he was trying to encourage this church and uh, these people, God's people, there's always this encouragement is this. We don't lose heart at temporary things. Why? Because they're temporary. They're not going to last. And he describes in verse 17, he describes the difficulties of this life in totality. Really, he doesn't describe one of them. It's the idea of all of them. He looks at the problems of this life, and I would say the problems of this week or the problems of last week or, you know, if things get worse. I want to say it's... It's light and momentary affliction. It's light. Uh, a couple of years ago, that uh, Dan was playing baseball, and they were playing a particularly tough team, and they, they beat them. And uh, after the game, they were all pumped up and everything, and they, they were coming in afterwards. They were putting their hands in it. Uh, one of the you know, smart aleck baseball players, if you know anything about baseball players, uh, they're... they're <laughs> They got attitudes and they're mouthy. Anyways, uh, uh, they put their hands in and and one of the the leaders of the team says, light work on three, light work. And uh, as loud as they could, they yelled light work. Like that game of the toughest team was light work. It was no big deal. It was no big deal. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you that as we look at God's word right now, some of us look at the, 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 the difficulties of this life, and we go, oh, it's so hard right now. My, my health or my finances. Or, or, and, and part of the reason that we see them as so big is because we've been so comfortable for so long. But know this, that when we compare the, the riches, the glory that we will experience in that which is eternal that God has won for us in his Son, We will look back on the most difficult days, seasons, years, whatever, and we will see it as it was, light and momentary, light work. I realize that it's difficult for us, but as we see it in uh, regards to all that God is doing and the riches that he has for us, uh, it's light and momentary compared to the eternal, and that's why we don't lose heart. That's why. Uh, remind yourself of that this week. The warning is that we would cherish the er- eternal riches that we have won through Jesus over my present temporary earthly comforts. Warning number two. Warning uh, that words are like gasoline. Make sure they are true and accurate. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures here. And there's uh, probably seriously hundreds in the scripture about this, about the words that we use and the words that we hear. Proverbs chapter 12, verse six says this, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, 
but the mouth of the upright delivers them. Okay, uh, a lot of times in Proverbs, the Psalms as well, and uh, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, they do this thing. It's poetry that one line is one side. And the next line is the other side. It's, it's two different sides of this. And uh, in chapter 12, verse 6, that's what it is. There, there's words of the wicked. They're like this. But the mouth of the upright is a deliverance. So uh, killing people, blood, bloodthirsty words, and other words um, are, are ones that delivers or are salvation even. Uh, this picture of getting out of trouble. Uh, a couple verses after that, uh, verse 8 uh, it says this, there's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Okay. So you picture, uh, the one with reckless words is like, a you know, just stabbing you with a sword and, and just being reckless. And then, uh, the other, the other, there's words of healing. Um, Stormed the capital. Stormed the capital. What kind of words are those? They're meant to. They're meant to get you a picture, right? Uh, if you were just reading them, the capital was stormed. Uh, you would think of a Marvel movie or, or something like that, or the D-Day invasion, right? They stormed the beaches. They stormed the beaches. I want to tell you that words, uh, people use words, and, and pastors are the worst at this, not, not news reporters, um, you know, especially, you know, I was speaking to thousands of people, and, and people are like, no, you weren't, you're in Bear Valley, like, not thousands of people, a lot of weekenders, but like, there's not thousands of people, they're exaggerated, but they're, they're meant to get your blood pressure up, Right? As you watch the news, as you read things, I want to encourage you to, to, to take a step back and to say words matter. Words matter. Is that an accurate word? Is that a true word? And if you don't know, take another step back, right? And say, I don't know. I shouldn't even care about this if I don't know, right? I can't discern this. I can't, I can't see what's happening in Washington, D.C., I can't, you know, determine what's going on in China or Italy or any of those other countries I I've never been to. I don't know. I don't know. And so re remember, as you hear people use words, that they may be words that will destroy you, but there are other words that can bring you healing, which uh, can happen not, not just on the internet or on the news stations. They can happen when you're talking to family members and friends, right? Um, now is not the time to be listening to your crazy family and friends. I mean, you, you can hear them, right? You can hear them. But the idea that you're, you know, you, you, have, you have family and friends that don't have a track record of being all that uh, uh, people that you should listen to long term, you know, and, and all of you are writing down the list right now. Some of you are thinking all of them, right? All of my family. Um, but if they don't have a track record of stability, be careful to you know, accept their words. And then in that same vein, what are your words? Are there, there words of help and of, uh, of caring? And in these passages, the, the idea of deliverance and healing 
Are they helpful words? I think of parents, especially as they talk to your kids. And I'm always blessed by seeing the little ones and then seeing the youth leave. And I go, who's going to tell them what to think? Who's going to tell them? And how are are they going to hear it? And they shouldn't grow up saying, mom's always crazy. Dad doesn't know what he's talking about. He's always yelling, you know. Uh, They should hear your words and go, man, I just need to hear from my dad. I need to hear from my mom. Because they bring words of deliverance and healing to me. I want to encourage you that words are like gasoline. Uh, I think that was just me. I don't think that was any Facebook or Google or I don't think it was any. I don't I don't know that, but like I'm just saying. Um, as we look to this, I, I just want to encourage you um, as you hear words even this week or. Uh, you know, we, we are uh, really the battlefield of an information war. We are the battlefield. We are the territory that's seeking to be won. And I just want to encourage you that uh, the side you like or the side you don't like probably is telling you lies, which both of those. You know, probably, you know, you, you might have gotten misinformation. And you might, I, I want to tell you that these things, we, we may not be able to discern them. We may not be able to, and when I say discern, I'm, I use a spiritual word, but it, the idea, we may not be able to tell who's telling the truth, uh, but we will know that God is telling the truth. And so uh, we take a step back from that. Words mean things. They're, they're like gasoline. They can uh, inflame and ruin um, both uh, our country, our families, and our own person if we will allow them. Um, where are we? Page three, uh, number three, third warning. Here we go. Um, third warning this morning. Uh, the world is not a friendly place. That we would remember that the world is not a friendly place, but a perishing place with perishing people. The world is not a friendly place. Um, it, I think most of us remember the idea of being in kindergarten or first grade and going to school and having buddies or going to the park and playing with people at the park. And in our minds, in our minds, especially boys do this. I don't know why boys do this all the time. They go, I made a friend today. I made a friend today. He's my best friend. He's my best friend. And then you ask him what their name is. He goes, I don't know what his name is. I don't remember. But we like played on the playground. It was awesome, you know. We ran and we played kickball and we, you know, we played handball. And they're my best friend. <laughs> Love them. And, and there's this sense of like, hey, because we shared an experience, because we talked, because we played, we even wrestled or something. I'm a good person and they're a good person. Everyone, everyone can be trusted. Everyone can be trusted. And some of us um, like to live in that world, and I, I, I do. You know, I love it. I love that idea of community and trusting people and neighborly. And I, I love all that. But as we, uh, we expand that out to people we don't know, as we expand that out to government, as we expand that out to uh, popularity and, and sports figures and Hollywood and around the world and even different countries, we think in terms in our mind where we say, oh, everyone's good, everyone's kind. Nobody would do something that bad. I want to show you something from God's word. And like I said, in, 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 
as in many, many places in the scripture, this can be pointed out. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 16. By the way, by the way, how many of you are watching the screen right here? You see that up there? What if we didn't have electricity? Bring your readers, okay? Bring your readers. We'll, we have Bibles here. You should bring your own Bible so you can get the large print version like I got right here. Uh, you know, have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you say, well, I got an iPad. What if your iPad doesn't work? Chuck that thing, right? It's going to be useful for nothing. Uh, I, I just want to tell you. So anyways, we have this cool stuff this week. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in the triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one a fragrance from death to death and to uh, the other a fragrance from life to life who is sufficient for these things. In the midst of talking about the great victory that Jesus won for us, and it is, yeah, put that back up there, Stan. Do not, Stan, you're doing a great job. I always throw Stan for a loop. I, I go, just figure it out, Stan. You know, just, I gave him my notes this morning and I told him, and I told my son this too. If I go down, like if I, you know, anything could happen, right? If I go down, you just grab my notes and keep going. Um, starts off, but thanks be to God. Why? Because he won this for us at the price of his son, right? And he places us, this picture here is this parade, if you will. And it's not a parade for you, Hey, you're not, you're not on the float going like this, but you are part of the parade. And what it is, it's a victory parade going back through the city, the conquered city. And to some that look out and they go, that's awesome. We're a part of that. We, we're the winners. But to others, those who are conquered, those who are, what does it say? Perishing, perishing. I want to tell you that those without Christ, um, well, let me, let me back up and say humanity, each one of us are capable of wickedness that uh, is so hard for us to get our head around. And some of you have struggled with your salvation because of that. You've said, how can a Christian do wicked things? I want to tell you, you can look over at uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, where it talks about the heart and it says, the heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand it? We, it's in the midst of talking about sins that Judah had done and things that had gone wrong. And in the midst of that, it says, your heart is the problem. And, and it should not be trusted. It's dangerous. And I want to tell you that that's true for us, that we can do wicked things. But I want to tell you, for, to a world that is perishing, both you know, countries that are set up on... Uh, uh, things that are not true, wickedness, really a death religions. And I want to say death religions because there is no spiritual life in a false gospel. There's none. There's no saving power. There's no life. But 
as we find our gospel in Jesus Christ, our good news in him, what he did on the cross and his resurrection and him winning us in that, that we might have the life, the resurrection that he gave us, that our sins might be forgiven because he paid the price, that we might be part of the family of God and that we might be his children waiting to be going home. That, that changes us. But I want to tell you that we live in a world that's perishing, perishing, that this is all there is. I, I was hearing about all kinds of crazy stuff this week and reading probably things, and it was talking about some of these uh, extremely wealthy people who are trying to figure out things and get medicines and vaccine for this and a vaccine for that, and they're trying to get all these things because they think, because they're so smart, that they can live forever, that they can figure it out. Why? Because they're perishing, and this is all there is for them. For you and I, die today, die tomorrow, die 10, 20 years from now, what does it matter? Because we're not perishing. We're part of the triumphal entry that Christ has won the victory for us, and that we are the fragrance of life. There, there's, a, there's an aroma to that. There's a, there's a picture. There's a, a smell to that. And to some, they smell it and they go, oh, isn't it glorious? And to others, it's repulsive because they're on the wrong team and they're perishing. So for us to remember this world is not a friendly place, but a perishing place with perishing people. That could cause us to do a lot of different things. It's caused us to be careful who we trust. It caused us to maybe even take a step back and, and reassess, but it should also have us, our hearts breaking for those who are perishing. Some of you, it hasn't been that long, has it? You remember what it was like to be perishing. You remember what it was like to be lost and outside the family of God. How are we doing? Number four, warning, that we should thirst for the eternal word of God instead of temporary breaking news, temporary breaking news, um, especially when, uh, you know, like last year they did the electoral college. No, that was Wednesday. I'm sorry. It feels like uh, last year, Right. Um, this week has been a really long year. I mean, it really has. Uh, there, there's, there's this thing that we're drawn to get scoop, right? We're drawn to uh, be the first one to know and to be the news outlet for our family and friends. And, and, and this idea that I want breaking news. I want to tell you it's temporary breaking news. It's temporary. The most uh, huge news that we're going to get this week will be superseded by something in the future. It's temporary. And I want to encourage you that you would thirst, that you would check your heart. <coughs> and I, I'm speaking to myself as well. I, I'm not saying you guys. I'm saying us guys, the family of God, me included that we would thirst for the eternal word of God instead of temporary breaking news. It's all temporary. 
But what God has said in his word is eternal. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever, forever. Uh, Will your car work forever? Will the food in your freezer that you've stockpiled, uh, will it last forever? Not if you have teenagers. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, we, we live in a world that's, you know, constantly outdating the news. It's constantly outdated news, you know. Uh, how many of you want to read a paper from December? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, look at a news site on the web from December. People don't read newspapers anymore, right? Um, we might be. I don't know. But... um uh, I, I want you to get this in our minds. It is important for us to see that he, in Isaiah, it, it speaks of like the grass. And we know about grass here and weed whacking. And we know about the spring, those two weeks that we get and everything's beautiful and the flowers are out and then it's grass and it withers and it fades and it's gone. We know about that. And in contrast to that, he says, the word of God, the things that we hear from God, from his word, the things that he has purposely uh, given and inspired, but also recorded for us. He says, these are the things that will last forever. Um, Hard for us to imagine. And yet uh, we should not look to outdated news, but to the life-giving eternal word. Um, Once again, that we would look for the eternal and not the temporal. Number five. Uh, warning uh, that we should laugh with the Lord knowing who is king. Laugh with the Lord knowing who is king. And this is, uh, Rebecca shared this with me this week, and I thought it's such a great psalm. Psalm 2. Um, I knew you'd get there, Stan. I knew it. Uh, psalm chapter 2. And, and the psalms are interesting because uh, it, it's this whole thing, and it's very much like our, our life down here. There's enemies of God's people. There's predicaments of life, and there's the character of God in the midst of it. And, and who he is and what he's doing is enough for God's people. And in this, it says, why do the nations rage? That's, that's by the way, who we are, the United States of America. We are a nation. And when you see nations in the scripture, you say, that's who we are. Sometimes the nations do well, sometimes they don't. Uh, we are not Israel. Uh, we are God's people, but not God's people as Israel. Anyways, why do the nations rage and why do people plot in vain? I'm looking up there. I have a Bible in my hand. I'm going to read it from my Bible. Anyways, um, as we look at it, uh, why do the nations rage? Why do the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. On Wednesday, they took counsel together. That's what they were doing. They were saying, we're going to figure this out. We're going to lead our country. Uh, the rulers take counsel together and against the Lord and against his anointed, uh, saying, let us burst their bonds, and, uh, bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then it says in verse 4, he says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. He laughs. He laughs. I am the leader of the free world. Even if I was that, 
By the way, don't ever, don't ever be surprised when a leader is narcissistic. Don't. Uh, and I say that on lesser levels. Don't, don't ever be surprised when a pastor is narcissistic. Why? Because there's a certain thrill and of self-importance which turns to self-love and all kinds of other sins that comes from leadership. And, and when you sit around in a, a fancy office and you, you, you have mahogany desks or whatever and there's this power to this and, and you realize there's some gravity to this meeting that you're a part of or this event or this speech or whatever, that there's this idea that, that you're really something, and, and as you gather together with other leaders and you say, well, this is the, what we're going to do and strategically we're going to do this and after I vote on this, you're going to say this and gavel this and whatever. And they plot and they plan and they think their strategies and I would even say this beyond countries. I, I don't want you to go look it up, but there's uh, this event, Davos, where they gather together all the gazillionaires of our world, and they, they philosophize about what they're going to decide that all the little people are going to do. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, from Scripture, God laughs. God laughs. And they say, oh, but I'm a billionaire, and I got more billions than this guy, so I'm more powerful, and I'm smarter. And, and I want to say, the king of kings laughs. He laughs. Why? Why does he laugh? Because they think that they are in control. They think that they are in control. As we see in this psalm, uh, you go down, skip down to verse 10. It says this, Now, now therefore, kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Verse 12, kiss the son, lest he be angry with you and perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. And then it says this, blessed are all who take refuge in him. The, the, the reason God laughs is because they think that they are in charge. He knows who is king and even this even this psalm is speaking of Jesus coming, the anointed one. And, and as we look at this and we go this, well, where's my spot? Not fearing the kings, not fearing the rulers of this world, not, not even the idea of what are they going to do? What is God doing? And it says at the end of this psalm, the ones who are blessed are the ones who are taking refuge in him, in Jesus. I want to encourage you, don't sit on the edge of your seat to wonder what kings and rulers are going to do. And if you see them boasting and this and that, laugh with God. What a joke that they think that they would be in charge. We have one, the anointed one, that we can take refuge in. Number six, warning number six, we have confidence in the midst of unknown chaos. Confidence in the midst of unknown chaos. Um, I don't know what you've been involved in before. Uh, some, sometimes it's chaos in our own homes, right, that, that we're trying to escape. 
uh, and they're causing us to be fearful. Others of you have been in chaotic situations, maybe at your work, and some of you do dangerous things, and uh, cops and firemen, and you've been in the military. There have been things that you've been involved in that have been extremely chaotic. Um, speaking of chaotic, there were some of our kids out there. Um, it's okay. They, you know, they, were, they were just rifling through your cars. Um, but... But we can have confidence in chaos. How? And, and, and chaos in and of itself, the enemy desires to cause us to lose our minds during that time and cause us to say, oh no, the sky is falling. Um, similar, similar really words uh, that we looked at in Psalm uh, 2, now in Psalm 46. It's, Psalm 46 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. By the way, uh, that's a, a thing of Psalms too. It, sometimes it tells you the conclusion right at the outset so you don't freak out about what it's going to say later, okay? Uh, it gives you the conclusion right at the beginning. Uh, God's word says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And then it says this, therefore we will not fear uh, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Picture yourself, I, like I said, I grew up in Santa Barbara. Um, picture yourself at your favorite beach and cliffs and whatever else, and you're, you're watching, and, uh, and, and, and this scene happens that's described in uh, Psalm 46. Well, what would you do? Would you be afraid? Would you think that the world is ending and you're ending with it? It says, though the earth gives way. Uh, He's not just talking about rulers and kingdoms here. He's talking about the earth itself and the picture of the mountains being swallowed up in the sea. And there's foaming, you know, the, the foaming of the sea and, 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 we, we know about the power of water and we can picture, some of us can't picture this particular scene and you say, that would be crazy. But back up. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. And so he says in verse two, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. Why? Because we've taken refuge in the God who loves and cares and is in control. When you're in the midst of a chaotic situation that you've never, and, th- and this is back up to what I said initially. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? I don't know. So this principle in, in Psalm 46, that we would take refuge in him and we would not fear because even if we see chaos, even if we see the craziest things we've never even imagined before, why can we not be fearful? Because we've taken refuge in the God who protects, loves, cares, and is more powerful and is working out his plan. I, I say that um, because I, I think it's preparing for whatever happens, right? And, you know, chaotic situations, they don't just happen in our government, right? They could happen in your family. They could happen in a hospital. They could happen at your work in an accident or something. And you say, how can I not fear? How can I have confidence? Uh, it's trusting in the Lord. And you don't have to know all the details, right? Uh, I I give you this picture often, but the three-year-old 
in a chaotic situation, he just looks at mom and dad and goes, if they're freaking out, I'm freaking out. And for us, as we, as a three-year-old, look to our Heavenly Father, and we go, oh, he's not freaking out. I'm good. He's got this. He's got this. And if he's got this, I can have confidence, even though I don't know what's going on. I think we have one more. Actually, we have two more. I always have five, five, seven. Actually, I have three, five, seven, sometimes 10, and sometimes 12. And one time I had 21 points. But today I have eight. I have eight, okay? Sorry. Uh, Warning, trust in the Lord, not in the fill in the blank. Trust in the Lord, not the fill in the blank. In Psalm chapter 20, it says this, some trust in chariots, verse 7, 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You know why they said chariots and horses? Because that was the best they knew of, right? They knew the ones that had the chariots and the horses, they were going to win. And so they trusted in them. How many chariots, how many horses you got? And guys with, you know, uh, machine guns on. No, uh, but they, they looked at the arsenal. They looked at the equipment and they said, uh, we trust in that. And I say fill in the blank um, because we can trust in all kinds of different things, right? Some of us trust in the internet. We do. We run to it for everything. We, we, our best friend is Siri. Some of you have a girlfriend that's named Alexa, okay? You know? And, and you go, I, I can't live without it. I can't live without it. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. And maybe you shouldn't Google anything anymore. Maybe you should talk to people. Say, how do I, how do, I do this? Maybe you should cry out to God and say, God, I don't know what's going on. I bet you you do. I know you do. And I want to tell you that that some trust in those, some things, how how are you going to be okay? And I I mentioned this before. Some of you have stockpiled food. Some of you got your water. Some of you think about, I live in Bear Valley Springs and we have a gate. Uh, We have a lot of guns here in Kern County and especially up here in Tehachapi. Hey, bring all your guns. All of them? I, that's going to take two trips. Uh, but um, uh, we, we tr- what do we trust in? What do we trust in? Some trust in guns, in food, in money. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to make you fearful. I'm smiling, right? I'm smiling. This is, this is not a big deal. It's kind of a joke, okay? So um, uh, what... The federal government, right? The federal government. That's where we're, they're struggling right now, right? The federal government. Um, why are you confident in your bank? Why, why are you confident in, in your bank? FDIC. I don't know what those other letters mean, but the first one is federal, okay? I, I, I want you to get this picture, and, and I say, you know, it is secure. Yeah, the, the, you know, uh, it's going to be okay. But I want to tell you this. Some trust in the federal government. And they say, ah, we're going to be okay because of that. I want to tell you, that's as dumb as trusting in a chariot, a horse, an army. They're like, it's dumb. It's dumb. 
But we are, are the ones who trust in the name of the Lord. We, are, uh, we wear his jersey. We, we, we wave his flag. We say, this is who I'm voting for. This is who I'm going after. This is who I'm following. And it's none of those other things. Fill in the blank. Lastly, our warning uh, that we uh, should be depending on powerful prayer and not on strategic news watching. Um, we had a lady in the church, and this is probably a lot of people do this. She used to love watching Jeopardy. She used to love it. Older lady, she, she used to love it. And she'd see me on Sunday, and she said, I won $80,000 this week in Jeopardy. And I go, you did? And she says, yeah, I was playing right along. I knew all the answers. And like she was playing along. And uh, she, you know, she was joking, but like she would, she would watch all the time. And she, she was playing along. And, and some of you, some of us, sometimes your pastor, as I watch and I read the news and I see what's going on, I start thinking, no, what, next, what has to happen next? What I would do if I was in charge of the military or if I was President Trump or if I was that person with the gavel, you know what I'd do right now? And I, I, I start playing strategic, you know, like I'm the chess player and my next move and I could really solve this. And I want to tell you that God has not elevated me to any position, nor has he elevated you. And so we don't really need to do that. That's not our role. In the book of James, chapter 5, it tells us an incredible thing about prayer. And the passage itself is about, you know, what do we do with sin? What do we do with sickness? What do we do with the difficulties of life? And, and this is really the answer. The answer is this. In, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another, as you're gathering together, if there's sin, that we should confess those to one another. And then it says this, pray for one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then it says this important picture, and then it gives description after that of why this is true. It says the prayer of a righteous person has great power at its working. Prayer's powerful. You say, well, how does that work? I don't know. I don't know. It's a child talking to his father. And he says, this is a powerful relationship. And as we bring our concerns and cares for others, for ourselves, for our nation, for, for people we know, people we don't know, I want to I tell you, he says, that's effective. That's what's going to change. And so I, I want to encourage you, uh, if you can, watch the news. But, but don't start playing chess, Right? Pray, pray, powerful prayers. And probably more powerful than you watching the news and praying, think about your offspring. Think about your spouse. Think about your family members and say, I'm gonna pray for them in the midst of chaos that they might walk with the Lord. Come to the Lord, walk with the Lord, trust in his word. That's the powerful position he's put you in, in relationship and really community the people you live with. Hope that's helpful. One last thing. None of this makes any sense what I shared to you today. None of it if you don't know Jesus. 
you don't have a right relationship with him and you say, oh, Oh, pastor, how can I get right with Jesus when he knows what, what I've done? God, God knows, how can, I, how can I be right? How, how can I go to bed confident? I want to tell you, uh, work really hard. You say, no, that's not going to work. I've tried that already. You're right, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not work really hard. It's that you would believe and embrace that, that you would trust your days ahead, your soul, your eternity to the work of Jesus Christ. And when I say the work, what he did on the cross, his perfect life given up on the cross, that he died on the cross and that he rose again. Trust in that message, not your own works. And you will be saved. You will be saved. And that then it means whatever happens, you know, like whatever you know, happens, you'll be saved eternally. That, that you will be the one that will be a part of his family, that you are secure, that you can, you have a relationship with him. I want to tell you that that's the only way. That's the only way. Let me pray for us now. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. God, I do ask that you give us strength and wisdom for the week ahead, um, for the days ahead, uh, that we would be joyful servants of you, that we would see our lives as ones that um, are entrusted to you, that we can uh, walk and faithfully and we can joyfully see even in, in enduring tribulation, that we would be okay, not because we have it under control, but because we are yours and you are trustworthy. God, we ask that you would be glorified in, in our families, in our lives, um, and that your righteousness uh, would be seen this week in our country. God, we realize that righteousness without, um, or, or peace without righteousness isn't really peace at all. And so, Lord, we watch for your hand, your work. Uh, we want to know more about what you're doing, uh, but even if we don't see it, God, we will trust you. God, thank you for this time in your church. Protect your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.